Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Today on our podcast, I want to go in a little bit different direction than we have been going on. I wanted to have something that was just very practical, more of a how-to, and this would fall in the be a disciple section. You know, as we grow and we grow in our maturity in Christ and grow in our faithfulness to Christ, we find ourselves often dealing, we're, we're beginning to minister more to people. And one of the areas that we need to minister in is to people who are grieving. Sometimes we grieve ourselves, but more often just product of uh, ratios and all that kind of stuff, you're more likely to deal with more people that are grieving than actually be grieving yourself. I had a couple of experiences of grieving this year, one when my grandmother passed away and then another more distant relative and more dealing with family members that were grieving with that. And what I found is that I I just felt really awkward and I didn't know what to say, that kind of stuff. And so I had this idea and I wanted to visit with a man named Ken Willis. Ken Willis, I've known him for years, literally He's known me since the day I was born, and I've known him since I was old enough to know people. Wonderful man. I grew up with his kids. And over the last 20 years, Ken has probably had more people around him die than anybody else in our our part of northeastern New Mexico. So I wanted to visit with him with a practical idea of saying, "How how do we deal with grief, with grieving people? We wound up, I thought we were going to just talk about dealing with grief around dying, but like most things that you're not that familiar with, I found out that there's actually a lot more to it. And we talked about, you know, the grieving families do when they have a, have someone who's losing their memory and uh, all kinds of different things. We included ministering to older people. It was just a great visit. Uh, it was like a two hour and 25 minute visit. And I'm not going to put that on my podcast, but we cut it down to about 30 minutes for you. Hope you guys really enjoy it and get something out of it. So the reason I wanted to talk to you today and specifically invite you on was to, you know, just dealt with grief. A couple times uh, my grandmother passed away and I was more at that point in time, I was just kind of observing you thinking, you know, I bet Kim deals with grief a lot. And because you run, do you call it an assisted living center? Yes. Is that the yes. right? No assisted living. So you have, how many people are in there, give or take? 20, 25. We're, we're 25. We're 25. We get 20 rooms. 20 rooms, okay. And so, I don't know how often or if you want to say, but a certain, you know, you're losing multiple people every day. Um, I mean, not every, not every day, day, sorry, every year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The average lifespan is uh, three and a half years. Three and a half years. Uh, we've got some in there that's been there eight or ten years. Uh-huh. The average span is nationally nice. 3.5 years. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so you you meet people, you fall in love with them, you take care of them, mm-hmm. and then they pass away. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Americans in general, like we just don't deal with death that often. We're a pretty, uh, we don't have a lot of tragedy in our society. Like I went to Nepal and it seemed like every person that I talked to had somebody that had Oh, my father died, my mother died, my uncle died, my little... You know, it's like, it was like a much more common or maybe even... Well, you know, we think of grief as uh, as de- after death, but a lot of times families grieve weeks, months, and years ahead of uh, time. Uh-huh. Because uh, one individual that we had, he came every day, dressed his wife, had breakfast with her, came every night, and got her ready for bed. She had She didn't know who he was for 20 years. Wow. 
And so he grieved for 20 years. Remember, he said uh-huh. they, they lost, you know, the thing, their kids grew up and, and she has no idea who they are. And, uh-huh. and so there's a different kinds of grief. Uh-huh. So. How do you deal with that? Well, you know, it depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, you try to uh, be a friend. Mm-hmm. And it makes a big difference whether they're Christian or not. Mm-hmm. If, they, if they know where they're going and the family knows where they're going, uh-huh. then it's much more comforting. Mm-hmm. But uh, the idea of death scares people, and it really shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Why I mean, not? Well, it's because you're, we're, we're just passing, uh, you know, my daughter, Bethany, said a few years ago, she said, I'm, I'm envious of you. And I said, why is that? And she said, well, can you imagine you're holding my hand and God's holding the other? Uh, uh-huh. Of all the people that's passed away, we've only had four that uh, passed away by themselves. Mm. And... Uh, it's either family there or some of us are there. Uh-huh. But uh, I think that's important. But as far as grieving with the family, you just tell them, you know, you, you give them a hug. Touch mm-hmm. is very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, you tell, uh, talk about some of the memories that, that they've shared with you. Uh-huh. Uh, and so you relive the good times. You try to emphasize, especially if they're Christians, you know, uh, you, one thing you don't want to say is, "Well, they're they're better off now." Uh, you know, uh-huh. they, they, they already they already know that, and you know, you have another grandmother, or you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? It's not right. something you want to say. Um, what do you want to say instead of that? Because I definitely I know I've thought that, and I know I've said that. <clears throat> um, well, like I said, you just dwell on on some of the the good memories uh-huh. and, and give them. Give, like I said, touch is very important. Uh, uh, eye contact, you know, you let them know that, that, that you're there for them. A lot of times it's just, just be there, cry with them, hold them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, now, how long have you been, remind me how long you've had this? Well, we've had, uh, we've been in this business now for almost 22 years. Okay. What was it that made you decide to start? And you started in Tupamcary, uh-huh. if I remember. There was a older couple here when we first moved. Here that adopted us. Uh, uh-huh. They got some needs going on, and so they we we went ahead and put them into a home in Tucumcari. Well, they were there for about eighteen months, and Del and I had been bouncing some of these things off anyway, just off of each other. You know what the feelings we had and whatnot, and we looked at some possibilities. Anyway, to make a long story short, we got word that they were closing. Okay. In thirty days. Wow. So. We got to, we called the State Department and said, you know, what would it <laughs> what take? What do we need? Didn't return our call. Uh, so we jumped in the car and we went to Santa Fe and we waited out in the hallway, didn't have an appointment, waited out there and talked to the head of the department. And she said, well, so this is something that t- it's going to take six months to a year to get done. Huh. She said, you got to have, uh, probably, uh, you got to have procedure manual. And they all said, here, you've got to have. This and this and this, you gotta have insurances, you gotta have, you know, and, and we were able to hand that stuff to them. And she said, are you gonna be in town for a while? <laughs> so she said, I want to bounce, I want to bounce some stuff off of my director. And so anyway, uh, we went to lunch and she came back. She said, I've been in this business 31 years and I've never done this. I said, here she is, you got a 30 day license. Wow. And in that 30 days, we'll come and do your inspections and get all that stuff going. 
So we stopped back by Las Vegas and we got uh, silverware and glasses and stuff, bought those, stopped it. And we got time we got back to uh, Tutankeri, I think everything was closed. So we uh, had uh-huh. the first meal that we had, they, we had three clients that they left there and they, oh. they had three chairs. They had taken the beds, everything. Wow. We had Kentucky fried chicken and, and orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh-huh. that's what, and we had two staff members that had said that they would stay there with us. And so they'd been there for 24 hours. And so we had them to go home and Dell was off that week. And so we spent the next week, 24 hours a day there. And that's where we started. Wow. And then you were there for and a t- year, t- six t- months, t- two t- months? T- yeah. You couldn't be there four years. Four years. Okay. I couldn't remember what. I just remember yeah. it wasn't too long, it seemed like, until. Yeah. And then we wanted we wanted to build out here, and Tutankeri wanted us to build up there. Yeah. But we just felt that this is where it should have been supposed to be, and so we they went to the bank and and they laughed at us. So we went back to the bank, another bank, and they said, "Well, everything looks really good. You've got you know your all, all your paperwork yeah. in order, uh, got your plan of actions and all that, but we need somebody that's got deep pockets." We need two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that's not tied to the business. Uh uh-huh. And God I looked at we said we don't have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Uh-huh. So anyway, we had talked to Jake and he was gonna be our partner in it and we he had a we did all we had several meetings and stuff and he called us down to the restaurant one day and he said, Ken, you all don't need me. You can do this yourself. You don't you don't need me. He said, I'll be glad to do support and he had helped me buy the property. Uh-huh. And he said, I will sell you back the property. Just pay the, the title search and stuff uh-huh. the, in, in excess of what we paid for it. And so we did. And the overpass down there at that time evaluated the land at $220,000 an acre. Uh, uh-huh. Because of that evaluation, our property was worth, worth more. Enough. Uh-huh. And so the bank went with it. We had so, to have a partner. Dr. Saltz was a partner in the building okay. for a while. So that's the way that got started. Okay. So Jay helped you buy the land at the beginning, and then he just basically gave you all his part? Well, he, he, he just, or, he yeah. did the same value. He, he didn't lose any money on it. Okay. But, uh, he, but the new valuation made it. Yeah. He, he, he forgo his profit. Yeah. He, he didn't, you know, he wasn't trying to make anything. He said, y'all can do this yourself. Uh-huh. With his encouragement and stuff, we stepped off into deep water. I remember <laughs> writing that check the first time. I thought, good gracious, what have I got myself into? I didn't know you could put so many zeros on a check. Uh, you know, Dell was working. You know, if, if you took her entire check, wouldn't make the payment. Did uh, you, before you started it, had you dealt with grief some? Just, I mean, your son, like you were probably already a deacon. So, well, so we, 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 uh, Dealt some of it while I was in the service, mm-hmm. and then we dealt with it uh, a little bit with with my dad mm-hmm. and some grandparents. But mm-hmm. other than that, it's, it was just a, a tug at your heart, I guess you would call it. Uh-huh. <laughs> that, uh, you don't, you know, I'm just like anybody else. You don't really know what to say. Uh-huh. Uh, but you just, just sometimes just be there. They may not even remember you being there, but it's at the at that time mm-hmm. it was important. Right. Are there some things that you, like looking back at yourself 22 years ago, you wish, you're like, oh, I wish I would have known that when I started? Or like, what are some of your big things you've learned along the way? Looking looking back 20 years ago, we were 
kids. <laughs> <laughs> and we made mistakes. Uh, and some of the mistakes that we made in the grieving process was not being there. Uh, it was easy. You know, you didn't really want to deal with it. Right. I remember uh, my grandmother. I didn't go to her funeral. Mm. One thing, it was a long ways off, but mm-hmm. it was an excuse. Mm-hmm. I just did, really didn't want to, to deal with her death. Yeah. Now that I, now, you know, he, my granddad uh, died years later. He died at 103. And it was, you know, it's important that you're there. Uh huh. I think that's, that's the main, main thing. Main thing. You just, just be there. Mm-hmm. What do you do? I would assume sometimes you see people, family, maybe sometimes your staff. I'll talk about that in a minute or ask you about that. When you see them not dealing well with grief. Sometimes, you know, as far as staff and stuff goes, you have to take them in, out of the room and just give them a hug. It's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, just to reassure them that you, know, you did everything that you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. There was nothing, you know, sometimes, well, say your grandmother that, that fell, it would not have made any difference if they had her arm around them. She, she fell and there's nothing uh-huh. they could have done about it. Uh-huh. That wasn't the case, but it was, it was, uh, you know, you see people that, uh, they worry what what what, what, could, what I should, could, I, could I have done, and, uh-huh. and it eats at them. And especially uh, staff that we've got that, that has the heart of the of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have we have people here that actually we probably know more about than their families do, right? Because they, we've heard the stories over and over and over again. Because of short term memory, they tell us these stories and. You know, I've had some people tell me, I said, you ought to write these things down. And I was doing that for a while and uh-huh. <laughs> I, I stopped doing it. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, again, it's, 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 you need to, to understand their background a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, people that are Christians, we know where we're going. The one we've had three people that I know that we tried to talk to just wouldn't listen. Mm-hmm. They would they they just didn't want to have they actually would get become irritated and was trying to and, and we just was nonchalant. Their deaths weren't always pretty. Mm-hmm. I think normally a death is very beautiful because you see them passing on into a better life. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it peaceful? I've never most of the, most of them are, are very peaceful. We have mm-hmm. had some that that weren't. Mm-hmm. We had one little lady here that. Uh, she was uh, almost 100, 97 years old. She didn't want to have anything to do with Jesus or Christ or didn't want to have any conversation with it. And the girls heard her one night, and there says, God, if you're real, just get me a pizza. Not just a regular pizza. I want a cheese pizza. I want it cut in six pieces, not eight pieces. But they got on the telephone and ordered a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and so they they got the pizza there, and they thought she'd be real excited about it. And she said, "God, I didn't didn't tell you. I didn't want just cheese. I wasn't <laughs> got the wrong pizza." Uh-huh. But uh, in going after her death, we went to the house to get some stuff because she didn't really have any family. Anyway, the house there was there was Bibles everywhere. So I you know I don't know, uh-huh. but I, I know one of the pastors here in town tried to mow her yard, and she wouldn't even let him mow a yard if she was pastor. What do you, like when a new staff member comes on, what do you begin to tell them? Because truthfully, I did, coming from my own experience again, I go visit my grandma. I'm pretty comfortable in her room, but I don't really know what else to do everywhere else around. One of the things we do when a new staff comes in, you know, staff training that we, t- we put them through, is that we have them write down 10 of the most important things in their life. Mm-hmm. 
And it may be a car. It may be a house. It may be a bank account. It may be a husband or a child. And these people come in here. They've given up a home. They've given up a car. I said, now, how do you feel when you, if you, when I, when we do this, we just wad the paper up and throw it in the trash. Now, then, if that was in reality, how would you feel? Because most of these people have given up a home. They've given up a spouse. They've given up children sometimes. Mm-hmm. Their money is questionable. You know, you've got to understand what, how they're going through. Uh, we used to put, uh, used to have some welding glasses that I sanded down so they could oh, see through. Uh-huh. And they put rice in their shoes. Now, see what kind of comfortable situation you're in, you know. So we try to tell them that, you know, we need to treat these people like our grandmothers, mm-hmm. our granddads. Yeah. And uh, so, but they, they've come around. They understand a little bit more uh-huh. when you show them that they, they're going through a lot of grief before they even come into the facility. Yeah. How do you help your residents? Because they're dealing with all those grief of the mm-hmm. loss of that. Mm-hmm. What does that look like to... Again, I think you, you dwell on memories. Mm. You, you, you know, you, and most people around we have in our facility, we've, some of us have known for years. Right. And so we know a little bit about the family background, uh, their experiences in, in business or ranching or farming or something. And uh, mm-hmm. so we, we become kind of an extended family, and, and uh, it's uh, it, it makes it, it makes it a lot easier. You know, just walking, walking off the street, it's hard uh-huh. to do that. Do you, by dwelling on memories, do you just like ask them for stories, yeah, or we, do you we, we like have, we have actually have, have a, a little circle that we we say we just like like Memorial Day. What did you do? For, what was your big thing in Memorial days when you were growing up? Uh, what do you, do you remember about you? Do you have a husband that 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 was served in the military or or something of that nature? And get you get conversation, and they start back and forth with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was their favorite Christmas? Mm-hmm. You know, just those kind of memories. Yeah. Uh, we had a, a, a veteran here that had lost an arm during a prisoner of war camp. That created a lot of conversation. We had some kids up here, and, and, and but the other residents, it was kind of funny. We had another individual that was just, he was crying, yeah, I remember that, and I remember this, and he wasn't even in the war. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. So, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, memories are, are important, and that's why I think that Alzheimer's and stuff are so Devastating because you, you've lost that. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I used to have a, a, a person, that, a friend of mine that was in Louisiana that had a nursing home. He said, he said, Ken said, I would love to get behind their eyes to see what they're thinking, but I wouldn't want to stay there. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, you, you have little glimpses of, of some memories and, and most of it. One of the things that we find in memory is music. Music has a, a separate uh-huh. Entity in their minds for some reason. Uh-huh. Interesting. And children. Tell and me children. about that. Children, if you take a child over there, people always they want to hold her. They want, want to hold, you know, they uh-huh. want to touch her. It's, it just has a, a carnal need to hold and, and nourish. Uh-huh. And it uh, brings back, you know. Memories, memories of their memories, own memories. kids. Mm-hmm. How do you feel like most kids adjust to that? You know, some kids. Especially if it's like people they don't know. Some, some kids are real. Uh, open. Some mm-hmm. kids aren't. It depends a lot on their parents. Okay. One of my staff members has a granddaughter that comes over, and she wants to see this individual all the uh-huh. time. They, she's at there and just talks to her, talks to her, you know, 
and she may say five or six words to the staff with a week. Uh huh. But she'll, but, just, but she'll just sit there and, and just ask her questions and mm. stuff, you know, and just hold her in her lap. And then she said, I've got to go. And she said, bye-bye. And, they, and, and just, just a connection there. Uh-huh. So if I if I was going to bring my kids in, because my oldest, she's a chatterbox. I foresee she would be. Mm-hmm. She might not, but <laughs> my preference. What would you say, like, to me as a parent? Like, okay, if you're going to bring your kids, how do I prep my kids? What do I tell them to do? Just be them, you know, like yeah, what are you? Just, just, just be them. Uh, I don't think you could push them out into it. No, it, it's, uh, I think it, it's, it's just their own little heart. Uh-huh. Most, most children don't know any fear or anything. Right. And, uh, most of the people that we have are, are very loving. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them have got a bad day and they just rather not yeah. be concerned with that. But most, most of them on the whole part really, well, come here, you know. Uh-huh. What's your name? Uh-huh. And, uh, they, 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 they like that. So, uh-huh. Got to bring them. Yeah. What about, like, when I came back this time, the first time I went in and stayed with my mom, I think it was this time. Anyway, stayed with my mom. Like, my grandmother, my grandmother thought I was her cousin. Like, I didn't even know these people. Mm-hmm. How do you normally tell families, like, what do you, you deal you, with? you got to meet them where they're at. And uh-huh. just, just go, I, I have been uncles and brothers and husbands and, mm-hmm. you know, had people that are fearful because I'm a oh. man. Uh-huh. And so, you know, it just depends on their history, their background. Uh-huh. How many times do you find yourself having very significant or very spiritual conversations with them? Depending on the person. Mm-hmm. We've had several people in there that are very spiritual and had several of them that's, that's taught Sunday school lessons or Bible study. Mm-hmm. And again, some of them that don't want to have anything to deal with it at all. I have tried to go in, especially the ones that don't know Christ, go mm-hmm. in and visit with them a little bit. But, you know, you have to, you can't just go in and face them with, you know, yeah. who Jesus is. You've got to establish a, a, a relationship with them. I've got one gentleman up there that, that he's, Borderline right now, we're fixing to go fishing. Mm-hmm. We're going to take him uh, out and go fishing. Uh-huh. He's got his tackle boxes. He had his family bring his tackle boxes up and everything. He's all excited about this going uh-huh. fishing. I bet. I just, I just got to find a time I can do that. But uh-huh. the weather's good now, and we could go out early in the morning for a few hours and come back in, you know? Yeah. But you have to build a relationship before you approach that. You just can't yeah. throw it in the face on. because uh-huh. it doesn't work. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, one of the people I really like, he talks about you've got to move from casual conversations to significant mm-hmm. to spiritual. And sometimes with the right person, that might happen. You just click and do it immediately. But a lot of times, you know, it might be six months or a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on your interaction level. Mm-hmm. Like with you guys, you're, I mean, you're around them all the time. So it's mm-hmm. a little different than his context. I know I haven't done it in the last several years, which I need to do that. I've got people in there to take some of those load off me now. We used to go down and have ice cream floats and sit down and play a game of checkers or a game of dominoes or something. Uh And in a daily basis, well, that you get to talking about other things and and build Uh a relationship that way. Uh Especially with the ones that that you know the family a little bit, you can say, you know, how's John doing? Or, you know, it's just sort of, Get them in that direction. 
get leading someone to Christ more is or, or ever is always about relationships, mm-hmm. and we miss that a lot. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to slow down, and I think that is the advantage of taking a guy fishing or mm-hmm. going fishing. Like you're just there mm-hmm. going camping. Mm-hmm. They need that, but you need that. Mm-hmm. You're talking about thinking all the time. You need to get away from that sometimes. Right. Enjoy life. Uh huh. When we first started in the, end of the business, we went to a lot of the education and stuff across the state. They said, now you have to, you can't call anybody by their first name. It's a Mr. or Mrs. You can't touch them. And I looked over at Dell and said, you know, we're in the wrong business because we're both touchy people. Uh huh. But it makes a world of difference if you go up and give somebody a hug. Uh-huh. Somebody is upset or crying, and you can give them a hug and, and wipe the, the tears out of their eyes and say, it's going to be okay. okay. Uh-huh. And it's just like a little child, and, and that's where a lot of these people are. They're just, they're, yeah. They have regressed into a, a little child, child. Yeah. and little children get scared. Yeah, and they need a hug. How do you deal with your, yourself? You've dealt with more death than maybe anybody in Logan over the last 22 years. Like It comes more often in your life and your friends. Some of them is hard. There's been more than once that where you are being strong and you go out of the room and you cry. Uh-huh. It breaks hard. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know that these people are going to a better place, but the uh, separation is there. If somebody, what, what I feel like, you know, we always talk about there's like 20% of the people in the church that do all the all the work. Right. So I'm usually, when we think about this, we're, we're talking to the top 20%. And so at that point in time, you're starting to probably sometimes make some hospital visits and you're dealing with the family and you're helping with these. Where do you tell them to start? Like when you got into it, did you just kind of stumble your way through it? Did you read some books? I know you went to some trainings that probably dealt some with it, but maybe not necessarily from a Christian perspective. Uh, a lot of it was... From the Bible, you know, mm-hmm. you, 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 the Bible is a pretty good book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of prayer. What does prayer look like for you, for them? As, as far as with the, with the residents? Or? Just you. Okay. And whether that's you with the residents okay, or well, you, well, like, Del, they don't know I'm praying for them right now, but I am. Well, Del and I have prayer every morning before we leave, and, and we pray uh, sometimes specifically for individuals and then sometimes just for in general. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of her prayers is, "Lord, don't let me do any harm." Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we have an empty room. I go and and I I pray in that room. Uh, uh-huh. I, I say, you know, Lord said, "I know we don't want people to hurt, but we have thirty people that need a place to stay." Mm-hmm. You know, I've had had people uh, uh, come in to apply for a job, and they said, "I don't know if I can do this or not. I, I I can't see these people suffer." And I thought, I told them, I said, "You know." They're going to go through this lifespan anyway. Uh-huh. Why don't you try to stay and help make them more comfortable? It's a gift that God gives us. Because mm-hmm. you go and you go and try to minister to this bunch of people, and you wind up getting ministered to. Mm-hmm. We built the building before carpet was laid down. We invited all the churches over, and we have. Then we did this for a week. People would come by, and we'd hand them a magic marker and say, go write in, in, on the floor your favorite Bible verse. Mm. And I know your mom wrote on several different rooms, 
and then we put the carpet over them. So whenever you're in the building, you're walking, uh-huh. the, work on the, walking on the word of the Lord. Uh-huh. Auto blessings would not be here if it wasn't God's right to do that. Because uh-huh. he's, he's, we didn't, we didn't have the means to do it. Mm-hmm. And it, he let it happen. Uh-huh. What about, I was thinking the other day, I ran into a guy, I don't know him well, but while we were gone, his brother passed away, got killed. And so I just, I wanted to extend, extend greeting, you know, just saying, I was really sorry to hear about him. And he was like, so I think about him every day. And I felt like I should have responded back, like, I just like, I think, like, should I, should I have been like, like, what was your favorite story about him? Or they're like, like, maybe how do you gauge? Well, I think sometimes on on that, you just say, well, hang on to those memories. Uh huh. And what, what is it? Maybe you could go in in further. What are some of your favorite memories? Uh huh. Especially if you knew the individual a little Mm -hmm. bit too. Mm hmm. Just, just, just share. Uh huh. What about, do you feel like, I guess the there's one part of me that wanted to do that, and then the other part of me is like, I don't know if he wants to talk about it. Okay. How do you do? You see that a lot, or is it really more? Well, that, yeah, they would like well, to. When, when sometimes they just you know, tears well up in their eyes, and they they just can't talk right now. That's, uh-huh. It's too it's too raw. Uh huh. You just give them a hug and say, "We'll be praying for you." Mm hmm. Just leave it there. Yeah. It, it's just again, it's an individual. Uh huh. Make a judgment call as to what they need, not judge them. As I said in the beginning, our interview really went all over the place, and so I had to cut a bunch of stuff out, and I just wanted to kind of come back down to this one question. What if a church came to you and said, we'd like to be better at de- at helping out with another assisted living center, like there's one around us or a nursing home, whatever. What do you? What would you tell them? How do they? How does a body of believers most effectively minister? Well, as, as you know, here at, at our assisted living, we have every Sunday a church comes in and, and ministers to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at Christmas, we have so much going on. Uh, all the churches want to give gifts, and they want to do this and this and this. And, and we had sometimes days that we'd have two or three churches in at the same time, or two or three uh-huh. groups in. Uh-huh. And so I, I've told our church that I'd rather them not come in on Christmas. Oh, uh-huh. come in and, and, and do some some Maybe. praying and, and stuff with them. But as far as doing a big activity, let's wait until June or July and have a barbecue and, uh, and have a one on one type thing. And so uh-huh. I, I would think that that don't just get involved when the holidays come in, but get involved on a on a monthly basis of, of something going on out there. You know, with, uh-huh. have a singing group come in, uh, have a, a barbecue, uh, have, have a, uh, somebody uh, sit and read. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And is that something that, like, if I'm a church, do I have to think up those things? Or, like, can I come to you and say, what do you need? And you can, like, throw out ideas for we, me. We do that all the time. I'll tell you a story real quick here. Uh, when we first started at Tim Carey, we had him in the, in the facility. And you'd go in the morning and you would see hear, hear him singing praises to God. And he would read the Bible almost all day. Uh-huh. And he knew the Bible. He just read it over and over and over again. Well, his eyes got so bad that he couldn't read. And he was very frustrated. And, and, and I said, I think you know what it says. He said, yeah, but there's something about the spoken word. 
Uh, that just, you said you can hear it again and again and, and come up with two different meanings. Uh-huh. So I, we had a little staff meeting there and I said, you know, y'all got some free time every once in a while. And I said, just go in there and read the Bible. Play all the time. And he said, well, where do we start? I said, just open the Bible anywhere. He knows it all. Just yeah. open the Bible and that'll give him some comfort. Anyway, he, so this one girl, uh, went in and read the Bible to him. The time she was there, three, three, four times a week, about a month. She came out and started asking the questions. Well, she was living with a guy and had two kids with him. She kicked him out and said, you went back in here? You married me. Uh-huh. You really loved me? You married me. Well, he did. Uh-huh. He got married. Had another baby. She's still working for me. <laughs> 16 years <laughs> later, 17 years later, she's uh-huh. still working for me. Uh-huh. But uh changed our life. Yeah. And it was just... uh just from reading the Bible. Uh-huh. It wasn't really any influence that I had. It was, I, was, I tried to answer some of her questions and we'd look up some chapters and stuff and verses and, uh-huh. and things. I said, well, you read this one and then come back and tell me tomorrow what it means. Wasn't that a great story? You just never know what God's working on in and around you. Well, I hope that you found that to be a useful lesson on dealing with people who are grieving, maybe even learning about grieving yourself. You know, Isaiah 53, 3 says, if you look at the New Living Translation, it's talking about, it's a prophecy about Jesus, and it says, He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. So as we're ministering to those who are grieving, or even grieving ourselves, I think it's really good to know that we serve a God who is willing to come down and share in our grief with us. And a God who loved us so much that he would come down and experience sorrow and grief in order that our joy might be full in him someday. Be full in him today. Well, I appreciate you guys listening. It'd be a big help to us if you would leave us a review on iTunes and tell a friend about us. Thanks a lot, and until next time.